Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Scarlet Nation Podcast. This is John Otterstead with Bobby Darren. We have a lot to talk about today because, as you all know, football season is on the horizon. But what you might not be thinking about is that basketball season is also on the horizon. You like to think, or we often think, that basketball starts when football ends, but it actually starts mid-season. Bobby and I were treated to a really awesome experience going into um, the Barnabas Center to watch a practice a couple weeks ago, so we'll definitely have some hoops to talk about. Bobby, what's going on? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for coming on and uh, having me. I guess you have no choice, though, right? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Last few podcasts has been you and Sean. I've been jealous, so I'm glad to be back and be part of it again. Uh, Bobby, I was at the first two football practices, so I have a little bit of insight. You were at all the other ones. Uh, once you got better, you were a little sick to start off the season. Um, so I can't wait to get your perspective because, you know, I, when I was there, it was just uh, opening couple days, not a whole lot going on. Um, I know Greg is a little tight-lipped about what you can and can't say about what goes on in practice, but you know, I, I'd love to get your perspective just on you know how does this year compare to past years just in terms of maybe the vibe of practice the energy of practice the tone what greg's saying what he's not saying what are you thinking well you know like you said he's tight-lipped so he can't get into you know breaking down position groups or whatnot especially when they have such a pivotal game to open the season against boston college but i will say this is, um, you know, it, it, there's a great vibe in practice. And, and, you know, he's getting more of the guys that he picked in there. And uh, what, what I mean by that is there were some leftover guys from the, from the old regime who, you know, were, were brought up in a different culture. So uh, Greg has instilled a completely different mindset. So he had to kind of work through some of those kinks, and now it's kind of his team. Um, the culture he instilled, the guys he recruited. So it's a better vibe. I don't want to, you know, demean the, the, the guys who came before him because a lot of them were, you know, in it, you know, team players and stuff like that. But um, I, I think it's just all the pretty much guys that he, he brought in there for the most part and, and the guys who were still there from, from um, you know, the Ash era or really bought in. So it, it's a more dialed-in bunch in that regard. But it's also a deeper group. There's more talent. Um you know, from looking just particularly to offensive line, like, you know, it, it being on the sidelines in years past, I mean, you could just see that these guys look like a Big Ten offensive line now. And, and last year you were looking at them and saying, well, man, these guys really don't look like they measure up. But you're starting to see them really, you know, look like a Big Ten team. And that goes for a lot of positions too, John. Yeah, I, I actually that, – that's the one thing I could add a little insight to because I'm always on the sideline during games taking pictures. And – I look around, I've, I've mentioned this a lot of times on the round table message board on scarletnation.com, but I'll look around and I'll just right away, I'll see that it looks like there's men coming out of the tunnel from the other teams. And Rutgers just didn't have that. I know you mentioned that there's, you know, they're mature in the program right now. They've been there a few years and the culture is different, but I just think the actual size of the players is different. You know, in past years among Big Ten peers, uh, you know, just off the top of my head, maybe. Rutgers compared physically to Northwestern and maybe Minnesota. I'm sure there's another one or two uh, that they might compare to, but then you'd have Penn state roll through an Ohio state and you take Rutgers top two or three physical specimens. Uh, that's the average guy on those teams. And you just knew that Rutgers are going to have a hard time contending with them just from a physical standpoint, not to mention a talent standpoint. Yeah. And you know, like I said too, and it goes around, you're starting to see more size on the defensive line. You know, linebackers, Tyreen Powell is as big as a linebackers I've seen. 
um, you know, just a freak athlete. It's, it's, it's a legit 6'5". And, and, you know, you go over to tight end, you see a guy like Victor Canopco going over the middle at 6'7". You know, um, that's a big target right there. Um, you know, so it, it's kind of up and down across the board, and, and that will help. And, and, you know, we have to remember this is still a work in progress and playing against the Big Ten East. I mean, it's just, it's just a gauntlet. So, um, you know, it's baby steps, but I think this team is definitely deeper and bigger and more talented than I've seen in the past few years. Now, we're going to go to position groups in a second, but I want to stick on that whole the bigger, stronger, faster element. The fans, they love those opportunities where you could post some video, post some photos, just to kind of get a sense of who's looking bigger, stronger, faster, which new guys uh, have come in and they're already as big as the the veterans of years past. Can you tell me when you, you know, you're all, and I'm sorry, I didn't get, prepare you with this question. I just thought of it now. Like, who's your all just freak team? The guys who just look the part. Well, I mean, I mentioned Tyreen Powell. I mean, I, I haven't seen a linebacker at Rutgers with that size athleticism and he's put on some muscle now. He just, I mean, he's, he's a, he's a freak of nature. I mean, this is a kid who's probably going to be playing on Sundays and uh, he, he's a kid I think he's real highly of. Um, then you look at defensive end, a guy like Wesley Bailey, you know, came in just over 200 pounds. Now he's 250. Um, another freak athlete, just a freaky looking kid. If he can put it all together, you know, he, he could have a really big, uh, you know, career here. I mean, he, he played sparingly last year and, and redshirted his first year, a kid from Canada, but, you know, really looks the part. And then, you know, you flip over the offensive line and all the, transfers that they brought in are pretty big guys you know jd dorenzo uh curtis dunlap really tyler is just massive so i mean you look at these guys and and they're just they're towering you know Holland pierce is a big specimen uh was injured in the offseason didn't get as much time in the strength and conditioning program but just a big human being i mean you look at those guys and and you know they're they're just big guys i mean even a guy like shameen jones i, I you know he bulked up since last year and he's a lot stronger and a lot of these kids in the program you know who came in early really benefited from them early early freshmen so um i, I think i think you'll see it all around and and um they're, they're really starting to uh like you said look like a big 10 team now let's go the opposite direction because Rutgers in the past and under greg Ciano has been known to develop some guys who maybe had the ability uh, when they were in high school, but didn't quite have that Big Ten frame or back in the early days, the Big East frame, like the McCordys. Who, when you look at that roster right now, who are the guys who go, hey, these guys need a couple of years in the strength and conditioning program, but once they add on the good weight, uh, watch out. A guy like Kenny Fletcher comes to mind, really explosive. And, uh, you know, he has gained some weight since he's been there, but, um, you know, a guy that, that could really develop into a freak defensive end. Uh, we took a picture, uh, you took a picture of him in the spring and he was going against Willie Tyler and he looked like a, you know, a, a child going against them, you know, cause the difference, I mean, he's six, seven, three thirty to, I don't know, Kenny was maybe two fifteen at the time, but he's a kid that comes to mind that, that could really benefit from it and, and, you know, really, really get in there and, um, and grow a guy like Zylon Williams, um, the cornerback, you know, really fast kid, um, get some time to really build some muscle and, uh, you know, he, he could really come on strong. Uh, another freshman, uh, Thomas Amakwa, um, really talented kid, but again, going to, going to need some time to, to build some bulk and, and really, you know, uh, to get with the, the, the physicality that comes with playing uh, safety in the Big Ten. Gotcha. Um, 
so we're right now. Rutgers is what is this, year three of Greg Schiano in his second stint here. Um, mm-hmm. It's a, obviously a rebuilding process. Last time Greg was in Piscataway, it took him a number of years to that, I guess, 2005 season until we really saw some changes, and obviously 2006. Um, where are they in this rebuild process? Well, you know, they're, they're kind of on that pendulum where, you know, a, a game here, a game there could make or break the season. You look at the schedule and you got Michigan. Michigan State is going to be a lot better, Ohio State. And Penn State, you know, there's four games that, you know, you hate to say it, but they're probably going to lose those games. And and then, you know, so that other games become so pivotal. And they're at the point where, you know, you have to kind of steal a game or two to to, to get to that bowl bowl game and they become bowl eligible because it's such a fine line. Um, You know, if they get a rash of injuries, if they get poor quarterback play, you know, that's going to put them, you know, under the needle. But, you know, if they can manage to stay healthy, some of these guys come around, some of these guys develop, the quarterback play is good, you know, you could be bowling again this year. Mm. On the recruiting front, how are they doing? You know, I keep thinking that the players are the lifeblood of the program. What are you hearing these days? I mean, it's quiet now. Uh, you know, they, they have a class that's almost still 16 guys in the class. Um, but this it's a unique class. It, it just kind of – it has a lot of guys in the class that, that are kind of, you know, a little under the radar. You know, Greg does a good job of scouting talent. Like you mentioned the McCordys, they weren't, you know, big-time guys. And, you know, he could have some of those type of players in there. Not saying they're going to go on to have, you know, 13-year NFL careers, but um, he could probably have some fines in there. But it, it just doesn't have the same feel of the 22 class, which, you know, you had the Gavin Wimp set in there, and, and you had a lot of these, you know, four-star kids, you know, um, Moses Walker and, and Sam Brown and, and Jacob Allen. So this class is kind of like, you know, a, a different mix. And, um, you know, you see some Florida flavor there. I think he's really going back to those roots. But it's kind of quiet now. I think it'll pick up a few more commitments before all is said and done. But uh, a rather unique class uh, in, in terms of where this thing started. Now, I was talking to a college coach recently, and he was saying that the big change in the past couple of years is the first question that a recruit asks the coach right now is talk to me about NIL. And that's a bit of a scary situation because I think traditionally Rutgers has not been, uh, I don't know what you want to say, like the fan base has not stepped up to the plate in the way that other colleges have in terms of donating and kind of filling the, the, the coffers of the athletic department. And now that they have the opportunity, whether, you know, if you have a business, you can uh, hire someone. And you know, I'm not really even sure the particular of the whole NIL world, but, I know that there's a lot of super engaged fan bases out there who are making it very difficult for those who aren't. Um, do you have any sense of how Rutgers is doing the NIL world and how that's affecting the recruiting class? Well, there's still some red tape to clear and some of the stuff where they could hire an NIL guy as some other schools have already done. So um, they're not yet on even playing field like that. Um, you know, it's, it's so, it's so new, but you know, you have these fan bases, and just look at Chase Basantis, who they were in there for. You know, Texas A&M beats Rutgers for an in-state kid. You know, one of the top kids. And you have to think, well, would would it have been a different situation if it was three years ago? You know, you have to wonder because, you know, I mean, people aren't naive to, to what's going on. And um, it, it's going to be interesting to see how it's all handled because, um, like you said, Rutgers isn't throwing that, that money around like, like Texas A&M is. Um, so 
it's really uncharted water. So people ask, where's it going? It's kind of like, I don't know, because it's some, some cases it's like the Wild West. Yeah. We should probably get John Newman back on the podcast soon and talk to him about Knights of the Raritan, and the group that he's put together. And because, you know, I have no idea if that group is you know, sponsoring one or two players, 20 players, whether, you know, what, yeah, what he, kind he of. He would be a better source because he's so involved with that collective and stuff. And, and um, you know, I, I kind of deal with watching practice and, and, and who's looking good and what's even though I can't report it all. Um, but mine's more X's and O's than dollars and cents. Yeah, and I just I ask just because I know look, Rutgers has such great momentum. You think of all those players you mentioned before who, you know, are in the pipeline now, like Tyrene Powell, and it'd just be great if they could continue to build on that and you know have some success and not be negatively affected by this new world they find themselves in. Right, right. It's definitely uh, definitely uncharted waters, and and um, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. Well, especially Rutgers. I mean, there is more money within a hundred miles of Rutgers, within twenty miles of Rutgers. Then, uh, can you think of another school that has the amount of money that Rutgers does around it? Between you know, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania area, Philadelphia, everything right there. There's so many opportunities, but you have to get that, make that connection between the players and uh, and you know the the people out there. Like <laughs> someone joked recently, Andre Hyatt. You know, as the last name Hyatt, there's the Hyatt hotel right nearby uh he should be that that's where he should be right now <laughs> advertising for them but uh you know baby steps i guess yeah and like i said new john new would be a much better uh source for you know the intricacies of that collective um but um it's interesting you know get your popcorn ready because it, it seems like it's going to be a show uh for years to come oh my god between that and uh, realignment. I mean, there's no shortage of things to talk about these days. Exactly. exactly. But let's get back. Let's get back to your bread and butter, which is talking about the players. Quarterback situation. Uh, I know Greg is quiet about it. I know there's probably several layers of things that you can and can't talk about. But so let's just let's talk about the one guy everybody wants to hear about, Gavin Winsett. Um, what can we expect from him this year, if and when he plays, and what? Can't we, you know, what would be holding him to too high a standard? Well, you know, a lot with playing quarterback, and you know, from going to all these camps and combines, oh, this guy throws a great ball. You know, Arsikowski looked great at a camp and a combine, and you saw what he did, you know, at the college level. I mean, um, so there's a lot that goes on in terms of, you know, reading defenses, making checks, you know, and, and, there's just there's just so much to, to comprehend, and, and and I think we need to remember that Devin just turned 18 years old, and you know he should have been just graduating high school, and here he is thrust into a, an unprecedented situation. I mean, physically, he's really grown, looks the part, six three, two twenty. I mean, it, I, and those those numbers are every bit legit. So he really uh he really made use of that first year. How does it work? You know, um, when when he gets on the field and. And even when you watch camp, you can't really tell because these guys aren't getting hit, you know, uh, in full go. So um, how's he going to react when a a DN is actually bearing down on him and and hitting him? And and that goes the same for the other quarterbacks, you know, whoever's in there. But you really can't emulate, you know, a game situation for obvious reasons. But, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how it goes because you look back last year, he played sparingly, but – if he doesn't make that pass in Illinois, I don't know if they win that game because um, it was a crucial situ- situation on that fourth down. And 
you know, they don't make that, you know, they don't go to the bowl game because they don't win that, that fifth game and, and, and get that spot in the APR and, and, you know, and, you know, you know how it goes, but I think we can just, you know, he's got the physical tools, but how does he put it all together this year? And I'm curious to see myself. Talking to those physical tools, I had the opportunity to see a side-by-side photo. Someone showed me a picture from when he first got to the Rutgers campus to right now or well, to, uh, through a few weeks ago. And you wouldn't even, like, if it didn't have the same face on both pictures, you wouldn't even know it was the same person. Uh, mm-hmm. This kid has been hitting it hard in the gym and a tribute to his hard work and also the work of the coaching staff. Yeah, and I I mean, he came in in September, and, you know, and Noah Vedral talked about it. it was it was he, you know he was asked about the gains he made. He said, "Well, you know, when you get here, not that Gavin didn't work hard, but you kind of eat, sleep, and breathe football. You have proper nutrition. They're always eating on the go. Um, they have a nutritionist. You know what I mean? They have everything tailor made for you to to look like that. So, getting in a year early um, benefits all the players in that regard. As long as you work hard, and Kevin put in the work, he did everything he was supposed to, but I think it's more of a testament to, to the program that they have as opposed to just one individual effort. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, now, you mentioned the OL before and how they have some guys who look the part and finally have a little bit of depth there. Is this a legit Big Ten offensive line? Because I think from my perspective, that's been what's that's what's been killing Rutgers in recent years. It all starts with that offensive line. If you don't have the offensive line, the quarterback can't do his thing. The receivers can't do their thing. Bobby, is there any light at the end of that tunnel? You know, it's, you know, you see them in practice and, and, you know, the O-line, D-line have their back and forth, but you really can't tell how good they are until they play a game. And you're going to see right away uh, by halftime against Boston College, you're going to know whether this line is for real or not. I mean, you know, because you can watch them in practice and say, well, if they beat up on the on the D-line, maybe the D-line's not that good, but the D-line beats up on them, maybe the D-line is just better. So when you have a, a, an outside product to compare it to, um, you, you'll really see how good they are. Now, one thing that, that Greg said was he liked the back and forth that they've had recently. So um, that's a good sign because you want both ones, you know, you don't want one side dominating the other. But um, we'll see how they, you know, it, it's one thing to look the part. It's another thing to play the part, you know. Um, does J.D. Dorenzo step up? You know, he's played All-American level at the FCS, against FCS competition. He was an All-American. What's he going to do against the Big Ten? Uh, Curtis Dunlap started 15 games at Minnesota, but had an Achilles. Was you know, a, is he going to be the same as he was before that injury? Um, you know, there, there's just question marks all around. Holland Pierce is he going to struggle because he he didn't have a full off season because he was recovering from injury? I mean, you know, these are all questions that you're really going to see answered. I think as early as the first week. Gotcha. And that kind of that triple play there you got the quarterback you got the offensive line you got the wide receiver just three areas that have just been non-stop question marks for the scarlet knights uh what does the wide receiver depth look like this year i mean you just look at the guys they brought in todd harris i mean he's already accomplished you know he's a guy who who really he did his thing at syracuse it didn't work out i mean he's going to step in and has the capability to be a receiver who was is you know was better than the, their last year's receiver in Bo Melton, who was their number one receiver. Uh, you have a guy like Sean Ryan caught twenty five passes last year for close to four hundred yards at West Virginia. Big target. You saw what he could do in the spring game. Um, just add depth, Josh Youngblood. If you watch his highlights from his first year at Kansas State, I mean this guy was electric. He was a Big Twelve Special Teams Player of the Year. I mean that's that's not 
you know, that, that, that that's a pretty good accomplishment for a true freshman. So he battled a hamstring injury last year. He, you know, is, is back. Um, Aaron, Aaron Krushank is back. You saw what he can do. Uh, Shameen Jones got bigger. Uh, he had 34 catches, 35 catches in the past two seasons. So he's coming off two seasons where he had 69 catches, second leading receiver. You have more options there. And if you can hold the line a little better, you have a little bit better receivers. You can stretch the field a little bit. Quarterbacks, you know, if they can, if they can have some more time, you know, they, they, they're not running for their lives. They can make some of those throws. So I think it'll be a, a more dynamic offense than we've seen in the past. No, that's good news. That's good news. Uh, the big question this year on the message board has been a lot of, it has had a lot of talk about the linebackers. What can you tell us about that? Well, you know, Greg has, has pointed out the play of, of Kyrene Powell, who I spoke about earlier, and Deion Jennings, who, um, you know, I've always liked Deion. He had some injury issues in the last couple of years that maybe hasn't allowed him to reach his full potential. But, I mean, those are the two guys you're going to see in there a lot because, you know, Rutgers is – is goes with a lot of uh, three corner sets. So unless you're playing a team that really runs the ball heavily, you, you probably see two linebacker sets more often than not. Now, that's just something that Greg has shown a liking to in the last two years. And you know, I wouldn't expect it to change because you know he's just shown a proclivity to use that. But those two guys, I, I think, could be better than the units they've had in years past because they're more athletic. They can run. They can play sideline to sideline better. And I don't think it's going to be a downgrade at all. I interviewed Tyreen Powell after the first or second practice, and I remember I'm interviewing the guy and going, holy mackerel, this guy has muscle on top of muscle. He, and it goes back to what we talked about earlier. He's just one of those guys that look like he should be playing for Ohio State, and mm-hmm. uh, Rutgers definitely has somebody with some unlimited ceiling there. Yeah, he's a freak, freak athlete. And you don't get the, – the, the only linebacker I can really remember in covering this team that was that tall was uh, Jamil, Jamal Murrow. I'm sorry, I get the name, the I or the A. Jamal Morrow played, and, um, you know, they worked him at a few different positions before he wound up being a, you know, multi-year starter at linebacker, but he was a 6'5", lanky guy, but he did not have the physical build that, that Tyreem has, and, and I don't think he was nearly as athletic as Tyreem is. Now, when you think back to all the practice you've been to this year, I'm sure you expected certain guys to get a lot of, uh, mentions in the, in the post-practice interviews with Greg. Is there any guy who you thought was going to be a bigger part of Greg's post-practice interviews and just really haven't heard much about this guy yet so far? No, because, you know, Boston College is the first game, so um, I, I understand the way Greg works when his press conference. He's not going to let on much. And, and certain guys he'll talk about, but certain things, he's very calculated in his responses. And The first game is such a big one that he doesn't want to give away any competitive advantage. So I, I don't want to <laughs> fall into yeah. that category. Yeah. I guess so, I always wonder that like, sometimes you can read in between the lines of what he says. I, mean, I can read yeah. between, but I've, I've <laughs> him and I, I know him. So, but um, you know, so he, he, everything, I mean, I know fans are a little saying like, Oh, we, we want more info, but it, it's all going to come out in the wash in, in that first weekend. So, um, and it's all, it's right around the corner. So, um, it's a big game. And, um, you know, if things were starting off with Wagner, I'm sure you might have a little bit more information coming out of camp. All right. Well, let's make a jump over to basketball because you and I, I think had a, what I, what I would consider an awesome experience at the Barnabas Center a couple of weeks ago. Um, Pykele was awesome, invited us in, all of the media members had a lunch, talked to us. 
brought us down, let us watch practice. In a that center is just something I I would never have imagined Rutgers would have. You know, a few years back, and and here we are sitting there watching them practice. And uh, I I felt it was an overall a great experience. What did you think? Yeah, I mean, you know, Steve is a really uh, down to earth guy. When you get time to spend spend time with him and talk to him, I mean. It, it, it's a good experience, and and uh, you know they really did a nice job, and it was nice to you know um, get to see the guys practice and, and be there, and, and they got a really good uh, facilities program. I mean, I don't have a bad word to say about it. I I literally I was gonna say the same thing. I don't have a bad word to say about the program. I don't have a bad word to say about the coach. He's the kind of guy you hang out with him for five minutes. You're like, I hope this guy wins the national championship because you know he treats everybody right, from the players he treats right to his coaches he treats them right to the media members you know basically he said how can i help you guys <laughs> i don't i don't recall many people ever saying that to us before in 25 plus years of doing this and you get a certain sense of uh, of sincerity when he does it too you know he's just um he's a genuine guy he's not you know he's not a oil what do they call it an oil salesman an oil snake salesman what's that word snake oil yeah snake I mean, oil there it goes i don't know i'm I mean, not from texas you know you know, like he was saying, like he said to us, he said, you know, look, at he's, he said, I'm focused on the team. I'm focused on what I need to do here. You know, I'm, I might not notice what the media needs. If the media needs anything from me and my staff here, let us know. And like, that was like a completely honest answer, you know, honest conversation. And, you know, I almost felt like nobody even had any suggestions because A, they're great, but B, like, you know, we weren't expecting someone to come right out and just say, Hey, we want to work with the media. We, you know, we appreciate the coverage you guys give us and uh, best of luck. <laughs> we also you have know? to understand we, and we also come, you know, a lot of the guys that cover the team come from football season. So when you're, when you're doing football every day and they, they're limited with the information that gets out and you go there and talk to them and they just give you like <laughs> their game, not their game plan, but you know what I mean? Everything is a lot more open. It's like, wow, it's such a different world. Yeah, it was great. Um, give me your just your overview of what you thought of the of the practice there and the team. You know, I liked uh, the guys who stuck. I really thought, you know, it's one day. Let me preface with that. You know, some guys will have better days than than other guys on certain days. So, uh, one practice is not the telltale sign of everything. But it, it gave us a good glimpse into some of these guys, and I, I think you can you can uh, agree that Cam Spencer can shoot the lights out of you know. Um, just a great shooter. Derek Simpson is an exciting player. I mean, watching some of the shots he made, he's, he, he's electric. But then you get down and you look at him and you, you realize, wow, he still looks like a high school kid. You know, how's he going to fare with, with, the, with the physicality of the Big Ten? So um, he's exciting, though. You know, and, and Cliff is, you know, he's just a freak. I mean, you look at, you get down there and you look at him and you, you really appreciate what he can do when you see it up close. Um, but I, I thought, you know, they had a lot of energy, and I, it's going to be a different team. I, I think it'll be exciting because it's different. It's, it's you know, th- they're going to be that team that has to call and fight and scrap for wins. Uh, some of them might not be pretty, but, you know, every time I've doubted Pike in the past, he's just turned around and, and, and proved me wrong. So until the guy falters, i I, I got to give him the benefit of the doubt. And you know, same, same here. I give the guy the benefit of the doubt. And I also – if this is a rebuilding season for them, I completely understand it. You know, they mm-hmm. they lost two key players. Uh, it's a little, after all of the trouble they've had putting together wins for decades now, to expect them to have, you know, they've had three excellent seasons in a row. 
to have them continue that, I mean, it's, it's asking a lot. You know, if they, I think they're, he, he's owed a rebuilding year, but it doesn't seem like he's expecting a rebuilding year. No, he's going, to, he's going in there thinking he's going to win these games. And, and they play tough defense. And you know what else? Like, the guys he brought in, when you get down, you can really appreciate how long and tall and, you know, that size is, is tough to match up with with a lot of teams. So um, they're going to be very tough defensively once again. That's just kind of, you know, synonymous with the Pikel team at Rutgers. And, and um, you know, you might get those 51-50 wins. Might be ugly, but they're going to play hard. They're going to play tough defense. It's going to be a team that, that you know, fans can rally around. And as long as they play like that, you know, they'll keep Jersey Mike's arena filled. And uh, it's really a fun place to go to cover games because it's really an exciting environment. Yeah. Uh, the practice we saw, just so fans know, was I, I would say it was a lot of drills, a lot of defense. We didn't really get a chance to see how that offense is going to be run. And that's really my biggest question, Mark. I, I, and I've said this on the roundtable message board, is I don't know who they're going to depend on for the big shot. And that's one thing you had with Geo Baker and Ron Harper Jr., two guys where if you needed to score points at the end of the game, you know, they were willing to take over if they could. Um, mm-hmm. Do you see I, someone who has that potential this year? I mean, Cam Spencer is a guy you think can make those shots, but can he create those shots? Can he get the space? And they said, you know, he spaces the floor really well, but you know, if, if he's hitting threes and then they bottle him up with a really good defender, I mean, is he able to get free for those shots? I don't know. You know, Cliff has supposedly a, a, a really developed his outside game. You know, is that going to come to fruition? I mean, he's a guy who who went from 3.8 points per game to 11.9, but a lot of those were dunks, very high percentage shots, uh, closer to the rim. So can he step out and hit those shots and score 17, 18 a game? I don't know. Can Caleb McConnell play offensively similar to the way he did the first half against Notre Dame when he had 18 points? I mean, you, you think there's the capability there, but, I, I mean, that's a lot to expect for him to double his, his point average. You know, would he have six per game or something last year, six or seven of them? Apologize if I don't have the exact number, but um, you know I, I think they're going to have to share the ball at the end of the game like that. But uh, it's a great question. Yeah, I uh, my big my biggest question mark is about two guys who I literally expected nothing from. When you think about recruiting hype or lack thereof, Rutgers incoming freshmen had none of it. Right? If you think of Simpson, you think of Wolfolk. Wolfolk's the big man who came in who was slated to go play football for Cincinnati before he got his Rutgers basketball offer. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I think you and I actually joked about him a little bit together on the side, like, oh, my goodness. And mm-hmm. just because we didn't know anything about him, you know, just the fact that his profile, how under the radar he was, you know, the fact that he was a football player. And then we see the two of them out there on the practice court. And, you know, they're only doing drills, so you can't quite tell what it's going to be like when they're playing against competition at game speed. But there's something to like about both of those kids. Uh, yeah, and I, I was surprised because I didn't go in with very high expectations. I saw him, oh, wow, he's bigger than I thought. He moved better than I thought. He was thicker than I thought. Um, you know, and you don't need him to come in and, and be a superstar. Just come in and spell Cliff or, and, and hold down the fort and, and not have, you know, you remember um, who they play? I think it was Purdue when, when Cliff came out and, you know, their big guys just dominated. So you just need him to, to go in there and be kind of a stopgap for a little bit. And it, it seemed like he has the potential to do that. Yeah, he's got a little bit of size. He's got athleticism. I mean, you know, he he has not been doing these drills for that long. You know, it's like he's, he's new to the program. And he right. doesn't look like he, he stuck out at all. You, you, 
he looked like he was just part of the team and he was working hard. This is not a big guy like you know, Rutgers had some of those lumbering oaf big guys in the past who, you know, you think would die after a few minutes of being in a game. That doesn't seem like, you know, once again, limited view, but that doesn't seem like Wolfolk at all. Right. And it's funny, like you said, like I didn't know a ton about him. You know, some of the people that we talked to on the circuit weren't too high on him. Um, and, you know, why you think about why is Rutgers going to Cleveland to get a kid who was going to play football? Um, but, you know, like I said, Pykel's done it in the past. So until, you know, he really falters with it, I, I got to say, wow, you know, Pike knows what he's doing. Yeah, I don't know what this kid's going to contribute this year, but if I'm looking at my crystal ball, I think fans are going to look a year, two years from now and go, what the heck? We stole this basketball kid, I mean, this football player, and turned him into a pretty solid basketball player. Right. And, I mean, he did it, you know, Miles Johnson didn't have anything going on coming out of high school, and he was overweight when he came to Rutgers, redshirted, and turned out to be a pretty darn good player. Yeah. And then... Derek Simpson, I, I, I don't even know what to say there because once again, he's a public school kid from South Jersey. Um, you know, didn't really make a splash on the uh, on the AAU tour, national rankings, none of those kind of things. And he came out. He says that everyone's calling him Little Geo or Geo Junior. I can't remember what he said they're calling him, but he looks a little like Geo. He's got some height to him. He fast he's he'll he can shoot you know i don't know whether he has the body to compete in the big 10 yet but he's another kid where two years from now you're gonna say i think you're gonna say that that kid outplayed his ranking yeah and he's even wearing the same number as geo yeah I, that, that's pretty good there then they have another kid coming in uh chole is that his last name or who have you yeah it was supposed to be a 2023 um i think as long as is everybody stays healthy, it, it'll be a red shirt year for him. It's kind of like a, a breaking case of emergency type of situation. But, you know, again, Pico finding a guy, um, if he's staying in the, in the class of 2023, I mean, does he blow up with offers? Does he not? Um, I have to defer to his, his judgment. Yeah. Um, let's see here. We're just looking down here. I, my notes here, I was thinking about this being a three-point shooting team. How long has it been since Rutgers has had a reliable three-point shooting shooter or, or been a team that other teams had a scheme against to stop the three-point shot? But you got, you know, Cam Spencer, and then you got Dean the Dream Reber over here. It's good they're calling him Threeber on the message <laughs> board. That they, what was he shooting? He was like shooting like 58% from three-point range. Now, granted, limited shots last year, but mm-hmm. uh, it'd be interesting to have a six-foot-nine guy who can hit from beyond uh, the arc there. Yeah, and, you know, last year he didn't get a chance to shoot a ton because he was going in backing up um, Cliff because, you know, Ralph Agee was supposed to come in and play that part. and He really didn't measure up. So Dean had to come in and play big guys, which is, you know, he, he's more of a stretch for him. Pike even said he's going to try and play him in that role more this year. So Wolfolk can come in and kind of spell Cliff. That allows Steve to use Reaver in a lot of different ways. Reber interests me to no end because when he first came in, and, and let, let's face it, even when you look at him right now, he doesn't quite have the, the presence. He kind of, I don't know. Like even like after practice, everyone's being interviewed. When we were interviewing him, he was sitting off in the corner, just chilling out. Like he doesn't assert himself front and center. Like I had to go find him to interview him. And, uh, <laughs> you know, he, he, but he like, he performs. Like I think he didn't get those national rankings and things like that because he didn't quite have that body like that, you know, didn't have the muscle. He was thin or whatever. And, um, mm-hmm. 
But when you look at the scouting reports, I went back recently and looked at his high school scouting reports, everything that we've seen in small doses are what people were saying about him when he was in high school. He passes really, really well. Uh, he can hit the outside shot. He can put the ball on the ground and dribble. Uh, he can dunk. Like he's, He actually has a lot of skills that you'd want for that stretch for. Just has to put together the physical aspect of it a little bit more. And, you know, he can do more of that this year. You know, he's not the type of kid who should go in and guard Kofi Coburn, you know, or, or yeah. um, you know, Zach Eady or one of those guys. Like, you know, it, it, it's, you know, if you could play him at that stretch four, I think he could be a lot more effective. And, uh, you know, it, it, it remains to be seen if, it, if it'll happen. But, um, you know, it, it, it should be a nice weapon to have for them on the offense. Yeah, I don't. I I love the idea of just kicking the ball out to these three point shooters and seeing what they can do this year and adding that kind of wrinkle to the game. Um, mm-hmm. You know, because as much as Geo would like to shoot the three pointer, uh, if I recall, he was never uh, hitting at a high percentage throughout his time at Rutgers. No, I mean even last year, you know, Ron would go through. Um, he would go through hot and cold spells. He would. He would sometimes he would be on. Sometimes he would be off. Yeah, and, and, and I guess just the big thing that you say about him, though, is that he wanted the ball in big moments, and that's what we're thinking about right now. Is how do we? Who wants that ball in the big moment? And maybe right. and Spencer. Spencer seems like cool as ice, man. Maybe that. Maybe he's that guy. You kick it out to him, and uh, you know, you one good thing Rutgers has going for it is they have Paul Mulcahy, who, who I think is underrated. People always say Paul is, uh, you know, they'll, they'll make comments about maybe he's not as athletic as some of the other. Uh, point guards in the Big Ten, but I, you know, he's a tall kid who I think he's a scrapper. He fights, and then at the practice that you and I were at, he was winning all those sprints for a while. And uh, you know, it just shows how hard he works and and the athleticism that he has that maybe some people don't value as much as they probably should. And you know, I think he's going to take on a, a bigger role this year as a leader as somebody who's really, uh, you know, going to try and take over games. I mean, he did last year, but, you know, that was still Ron and Gio's team uh, for all intents and purposes. Well, I, I thought it was interesting. Uh, during the interview, someone asked him who's going to be a leader this year, and he kind of made a face like he wanted to say something like, are you serious? And he's like, uh, I think I've been a leader, <laughs> something along those lines. And he has been. Other players, when I talk to them on the side, when you ask who the leaders are, they mentioned him. And so it's as much as it was Geo and um, Ron's team, I think, um, you know, Paul was a guy who had people's respect and who he's vocal in practice. And he I definitely was work, working his tail off when we were there the other day. Yeah. And, you know, you can't fault the work ethic. And, and um, like I said, this is going to be more of his stamp on this team uh, than it was in the past without Ron and Geo. And they're going to need him, too. And, you know, another thing was, you know, we didn't get to see Caleb McConnell because he was not at the practice. He had a, a another commitment that he had to be at. But Coach was mentioning that, like, that there's one thing he doesn't worry about. I think he was talking about in relationship to uh, Caleb missing that practice. He said he doesn't worry about Caleb because apparently Caleb's a really hard worker, another guy who's in the gym all the time, and somebody who's working really hard who he expects to have, you know, a really nice season this year. 
Yeah, and, you know, uh, I think one of the reasons he came back, I mean, you saw what he did. I mentioned it earlier in the, in that first four game in, in Dayton. He he had that 18-point spurt, and one of the knocks on him was, you know, his offensive game. And, you know, the NBA is not really built for defense anymore. So uh, if you have any aspirations to get in there, you got to up the scoring. So, um, you know, that that's, that's he's going to be a lot of shots to go around. And I know you've been a Caleb McConnell fan since, since he joined on. So, um it could be a big year for him. I just there aren't many people who have his height, his athleticism, and you know. Remember that guy came in claiming that he was a point guard, you know. And I, I would, I would never say he ever lived up to being, you know, having point guard skills. But he definitely has some skills with the ball in his hand, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, he's a he's a guy who are, obviously he flexed his muscles defensively this year, and that just showcases how tenacious he is and w- what type of athleticism that he has. You know, and one thing that Pike showed us over there was interesting doing some film stuff is, is I never realized, you know, it, when, when you really look at it, break it down, the way he gets over screens and stuff and, and you watch other people do it, it's, 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 it's kind of an art form. Right. And we're talking about defense. Now think about it. you got Caleb McConnell as a lockdown defender there. You got Jalen Miller and you have Mawat Mag. I mean, those are, those are three guys right there that I'd put up against any other team and say, like, you know, if you were just putting out an all defense team, those three guys there are about as good as it gets. You know, and I think Mawat's going to have a big year. I, I think he's going to be in the starting lineup before long. Um, he he seems like everything's there for him to make a jump this year and, and really be a guy that they can count on. And, you know, the first two years were a bit disjointed. He had, you know, an ankle injury uh, his first year, and then he had the issue with his teeth where his teeth got knocked out. And, you know, he had that issue going on. So all that stuff kind of – make those first two years a little disjointed. So if you keep him healthy and, and get him going and get him some more minutes, that you know, he might be a guy who really is a breakout season. All right. I think you went a little too far with that one, but I hope you're right. My <laughs> big thing my I mean big by thing, breakout season I mean, you know, somebody that's that's reliable. I, I mean, he's not gonna be a twenty point scorer, but you know, somebody who's who they can count on consistently for defense, maybe score a few points here and there. He's not gonna you know, be that dynamic scorer, but somebody who can be really athletic, maybe clean up with some boards and some, some short range jumpers and, and you know, kind of like uh, a glue guy. Yeah. Well, keep it the short range jumpers. Cause I, I, this is my big issue. I feel like sometimes he, especially Hyatt, you know, like I, I want one of those two to, to emerge. And I guess I had high expectations for Hyatt. And mm-hmm. because when both of those guys shoot the ball, I, I wince. And, you know, I didn't see much in that practice to, to show that either of them have really developed that shot. And once again, limited look, most of the practice was drills and defense and stuff like that. But at some point, they're going to have to put the ball in the basket. And I haven't seen, you know, a reliable ability to do that from either of them. Um, and But maybe they're not going to need it that much. You know, if, if you got guys like Spencer hitting from the outside, and who knows what, what's going to happen with a, the freshman, Derek Simpson, and, you know, maybe he can do some offensive spark. I mean, they may not need them to, sc- to score all that much. But I guess I, I was looking I was looking to the two of them. Could one of them replace Ron Harper Jr. and kind of become a little bit of what he meant to the team? And I ha- I'm not sure I have, I've seen any of that yet. Yeah, I think, you know, when I look at a guy like Mawat, I think that high energy, with the, you know, a lot of rebound is athleticism and want to. You know, if he can get in and get some offensive boards, you know, he'll get some easy putbacks here and there. Not easy, but you know what I mean? Right place, right time, hustle plays. 
um, you know, maybe get a dish and go up and dunk the ball or, or, or short or shot, short jumper. I, it, I think I don't think it'll be a highlight reel of offense, but he can get those, you know, um, those those almost like the garbage points. Some, some people call them that they're valuable. You know, it, those guys. I think in playing basketball, even to this day, still playing, um, you have to have one of those guys on your team, one of those glue guys that that does all the dirty work, that does the unseen stuff, that'll score buckets that aren't pretty, but but'll get them now and then. They'll make those defensive plays. They'll get those rebounds. And those guys are just so important. And that's one thing I think is the key to Pykele's success. He seems to have a few of those guys on the team. I, mm-hmm. I, I consider Mulcahy to be a glue guy. I consider uh, McConnell have, have that potential. I mean, there's a lot of guys there who are willing to do what it takes to make the team successful. That's one thing I took away just from talking to them. Like, and you you watch them practice. Like they practice so hard on defense. I imagine that's got to be hard. Like, who mm-hmm. who wants to do that? You want to be shooting three pointers. You want to be, uh, you know. Wowing with, with your with your ball handling skills, and these guys play defense like like their life depended on it. And it was a a practice that was months away from the first game of the season. Yeah, and you also have to realize when you play that hard defensively, it takes something away from your offensive game. So if you're playing lights out defense for thirty plus minutes a game, you know, tenacious, you're not going to be as effective on the offensive end, you know, because you're going to exert so much energy on defense. So um, that's also something to consider. Got it. Hey, Bobby, it was good talking to you. I'm not sure how long we've been on this phone call here, but uh, you got me excited for the football season. I, I, I guess right. with football season, it is the uh, it is the mystery of what's to come that has me excited right now. Yes, and, uh, yes. I will be making yes. the drive up to Boston, and I'll be able to hear those awful accents um, <laughs> prior to the game. But, um, you know, it's a game that, it, it, you know, it's a winnable game, very much so. So um, it, it's going to be interesting to see them against another team after watching them in practice during camp. All right. You, well, first of all, we should put you toe to toe with your Philly accent going up toe to toe with that Boston yeah, accent. Of <laughs> I know. I still remember it back to the, to the Philadelphia isms or whatever they are. But the Boston, oh, you know. Anyway, that that's a topic for another podcast. Yeah. Anyway, well, listen, thank you so much for your insight. I can't wait to see how everything unfolds here. And uh, everyone, for, for those of you who are on the ScarletNation.com VIP tour here, you're part of the roundtable VIP message board. We can't thank you enough. You make it possible for us to do all the things that we do. You make it possible for Bobby to be at the practices, be at the games, um, and just be able to give you the best insight into the Rutgers sports teams that he could possibly give you so thank you so much your support means so much to us and if you're listening right now and you're not part of scarletnation.com please consider joining uh it is a wonderful community as we mentioned before we have this uh members only message board called the round table and that's where our staff is on all the time answering questions talking to the fans and giving you the best access that we could possibly give you so thank you everybody i hope you have a great week